0: Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. If you are a guest with us for the first time or second time or third time, my name is Joe, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And I don't know about how your day is going, but this morning I was at the Sandusky campus where I thought I was preaching until I got a panicked call from Charles. He's like, hey, where are you at? I was like, oh, I'm in Sandusky. I'm preaching. He's like, no, you're in Norwalk. I was like, well, I'm not currently, but I will be as quickly as possible, so... Man, I was early, I, mean, I was having a great day, but I just wanted to burn some gas, so glad that we are all here this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, tomorrow's the big day, right? It's New Year's Day, it's also a Monday, so you have no excuses to start, not start your New Year's resolutions, you know, because New Year's Day is on a Friday, like, we'll wait till Monday. No, tomorrow's Monday, all right? got to start tomorrow. And, you know, for a lot of us, right, we're always making New Year's resolutions. Um, It happens every year. I know tomorrow and this coming week, the gym is going to be packed. People are going to be out buying vegetables. Running shoe sales are going to be through the roof, right? Um, You probably have some resolutions. And here's the top four resolutions for 2024, according to Forbes. So the first one is lose weight, a very popular resolution. Second one is improve mental health. Uh, the, the second one is improve finances, which, hey, rock-solid finance. You can take advantage of that. And the first one is to improve fitness. Now, what's interesting is these were the same resolutions that were listed last year. All right. Raise your hand if you had one of these four resolutions. Any, okay, a few of you. Now, keep them raised if you succeeded. Okay, quite a few. Uh, one person. Okay, a couple people. Great job. All right. So, here's what I'm saying, is a lot of times we have resolutions, come February, March, you know, they sort of kind of fall away, right? Um, now, there's nothing wrong with New Year's resolutions, but unfortunately they don't last usually because they're based on our, uh, you know, what we come up with in our minds, and they're also based on our own willpower, which, as you know, is pretty limited. Well, what if you took a different approach towards your New Year's resolutions, Right? What, what if this year we looked at resolutions differently and thought of them more as a commitment instead of a resolution? And a commitment to using God's strength instead of just relying on our own abilities. Uh, what, if, what if our resolutions actually included God's desires for us to grow and change instead of coming up with our own plans and then trying to get God to endorse them? Right? Because that's what we do, right? We come up with plans. We run them by God. We do it anyway and then get frustrated when it doesn't work out. We get frustrated at God. You know, somebody told me, he goes, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him what your plans are. Because I think that we often forget that as followers of Jesus, we're not in charge. Jesus is. If you are somebody who's placed your faith in Jesus and you're trying to follow him, you don't really get to call the shots anymore. One of my favorite... uh, parts of the gospel is when Jesus comes back to life and he appears to the disciples and, and you know Thomas who they call doubting Thomas wasn't there and they tell him about it he says look I'm not going to believe until I see the holes in his hands and and the wound in his side then I'm going to believe so Jesus shows up and he, he shows him the wounds or the holes in his hands and everything and, and Thomas believes and he says my Lord and my God now I don't think Thomas was being redundant there I think he's saying two separate things he's saying my God right he's like You are the Messiah, you are God here in the flesh because you were dead and now you're alive and nobody can do that except for God. So you are God, you are my my savior. But he also says, Lord, which means you're the boss. I'm not in control anymore, you are. If I can trust that you are God and I can trust you with my salvation, my eternity, then I'm gonna trust you with my everyday life. And we're willing to do that when we're willing to do what God is calling us to do and to trust in Him to show up and give us what we need, some pretty incredible things will happen. And I want to expand on that a little bit by looking at a verse in the book of Isaiah. So we're going to be in Isaiah 40. If you have your Bibles with you, or if you want to use the U version app, feel free to do that. And we'll have the text on the screen for you as well. But here is Isaiah verses 28 through 31. He says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. It says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. So, I want to give a little bit of context to this because this is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah given to the nation of Israel. Now, at this time, the Israelites are in a very despondent state. They have been in captivity in Babylon and they're probably exhausted, probably wondering how long this is going to happen. Right? And that's why Isaiah gives this message of hope to the people. He says, you know, because they, all right, the Israelites of all people should know that God's strength offers comfort to them, and their difficulty does not correspond to God's weakness or to his neglect in their cause. Because this is why he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard the Israelites are forgetting that God brought them up out of slavery in Egypt? And 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 they should know that yes, he can and he will do that again. There is hope. There's hope for Israel. There's hope for us. God will strengthen them, and God will strengthen us as well. Why? Well, because, one, our God is the everlasting God. He is everlasting. But what does that exactly mean when we say our God is everlasting? Well, it means that God is always in existence. He is enduring. He has no beginning and no end. He just is, right? That's why God calls himself I Am. He is always in existence. In fact, it's a statement used earlier in Isaiah in chapter 9 verse 6 where he says for for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty god, everlasting father, the prince of peace. A very fitting scripture to read right after Christmas. So then we know that no matter what the situation is, is that we can go to God because he's the everlasting God. He's always been there. He's been there for all of eternity. This everlasting is is an attribute of his divinity. He would not be God if this was not true. He's always here for us. And he promises that he will never leave us and never forsake us. But there's a catch. Because we have to be willing We have to be willing to trust God in all things, not just the small things, right? We can't expect to take God's word casually, deciding for ourselves what we will and what we won't follow or believe. That's half-hearted discipleship. You know, not, not trusting God with our everyday lives and then running to him in catastrophe. It's like we don't trust God when it comes to how we relate to others, how to handle our finances, how to handle sexuality. But we trust him when the bottom falls out of our lives and we go running to him. Because the way we treat Jesus is the way we treat God. You cannot truly honor God without acknowledging the right of Jesus to rule in our lives. And I feel at times we sort of have this two-drawer life. Well, you know, on Sunday or Wednesday night at Bible study, or maybe in the mornings during your chair time, we kind of open up the Jesus drawer, and we're focused on Jesus, but then we sort of close that drawer, and the next drawer that we open is like the rest of our lives, and we seem to compartmentalize it, but Jesus never gave us the option of just being marginally important. He's either Lord or he's not. He's not just Savior. He's also Lord. You can't expect Jesus' rescue without, ex- without accepting his leading in your life. You have to let God into every part of your life. You have to be willing to let go of control. And in doing this, you let God's strength soar in you, which is our bottom line for today. The one thing, if you remember anything I say, is this. But it's a letting. You have to let this happen. But how can we trust that God will save us? How can we trust that God will help us and strengthen us? Well, I want you to consider this. The Apostle Paul writes this very important verse in Philippians 4, chapter 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I think this is one of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in all of the Bible, right? A lot of athletes will post this in their bio on Instagram. You know, I've known um, students, student athletes that I've worked with that have, that have had this written on a shirt or in their bio again. And you know, maybe you apply it to your life, whether you're starting a new business adventure. Um, maybe you're trying to set a new PR for your cross-country meet. Uh, there's, a, there's a UFC fighter. His name is John Jones. Very good fighter. He has Philippians 4.13 tattooed on his chest. And I was just like thinking, like, what's the story? Like, yeah, God, you're going to give me the strength to punch this guy in the face and <laughs> break his jaw, whatever. Um, but here's the deal. Paul was in prison when he wrote that. He probably wasn't thinking about our personal achievements. Paul was saying that he had learned to be content through anything, even in prison. Even in prison, that God would give him what he needed to do what he was calling him to do. Paul trusted that through God's strength, he would have everything he needed to do what God was calling him to do, not what he was thinking of doing. And, from, and, and this letter that Paul wrote from prison, we are reading that thousands of years later. Do you think that Paul could have done that by his own strength? No. But he trusted that God would continue to give him the strength that he needed to move on to do what God was calling him to do, even in prison. Because God will never put us in a position where we cannot obey him, Right? There's a lot of things in our lives that we think we cannot do, right? Whether that's love your enemies. Might be your work enemy. Might be your political enemy. Might be forgiving someone who you feel like you cannot forgive. Maybe it's being generous with your finances. Maybe it's being content because in this, Paul was saying that Jesus, that God would give him the strength to be content even in prison, right? So there's a lot of things we think we cannot do, but the truth is is that they are things that we will not do because we don't want to do them. You see, Paul was willing to risk his life for the sake of Jesus and the good news. He was willing to do whatever he had to do. True Christianity is dangerous, and it's risk-taking because we rely on God's promises and strength, not our own instincts or plans or abilities. And when we trust in God's strength, It's amazing what he can do in us and through us, things that we could never do in our own strength. Some of you know my story at the church. I've been here for almost 12 years now, and I did student ministry for 10 years, and I never saw student ministry as a stepping stone, something I would do for a while. You know, if I had retired in student ministry, that would have been fine, but I felt like God changing some things in my heart and in my life. I was getting a little bit older, I was like, if I got to do one more overnighter, I'm going to I'm going to scream and run away. And uh, so, you know, I talked with Eric and Todd, and they kind of realized, like, my time in student ministry was probably coming to an end. And they were like, well, write up a job description of something you want to do. And I came up with something real nice, all right? I was like, I want to be an assistant pastor. I want to help out on weekends, do weddings, funerals, counsel, help with weekend services, those types of things, all that. Like, this was a, this was a nice job description. And I met with them. They're like, all right, we want you to do communications. And I was like, communications they're like yeah we want you to be pastor of online engagement and communications and i was so thrown off by this that i left that meeting thinking i wasn't going to work at the chapel anymore i was like there's no way that's not who i am i i don't do graphic design i don't know anything about communications i've never done any of this stuff right and so i was like that's it I, that's my time here but you know i had some conversations with some people and and i was praying about it and i felt like god saying joe You want to do something that you can do on your own abilities. I'm calling you to do something that if I don't show up, you're in trouble. And so I went for it. And I've never looked back. And I'm so glad that I did. And it was one of the scariest things ever. And I am not equipped to do what I do, but God has called and qualified me to do those things. But I had to be willing to step out in obedience and faith to him. And that's just one example out of thousands that I could tell you about people who took a risk. You know, one of those recently where I can talk about God giving people strength was we just had a team do a short-term mission to West Virginia. And I want to share some words from Pastor Jeff who led the team. He says this, it was so exhilarating to watch several people from West Virginia come to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. For our team to deliver food boxes to those who were hungry, to give out presents to over 135 kids, He says also, though our hearts broke for many of the people, as many of them barely had the basic essentials of food and water and shelter. However, we noticed with several of the families that they still had a strength about them. And many of them knew that strength was not from the things of this world, but by the power of God. He goes on, in West Virginia, we saw God giving incredible strength to us as a team, but we also saw God giving his supernatural strength to so many people in one of the poorest counties in America. He goes on, he says, in fact, my new friend David had a cowboy hat and a shirt that said, y'all need Jesus. And I love this, right? Because here's a guy who gets it. David got it. He knew that in his position in life, there was nothing he could do to change his situation. He needed Jesus. And y'all, or we all, need Jesus too. That was how they let God's strength soar in them. It was definitely evident in West Virginia. And I have seen this happen in so many other areas. I've been to Mexico on short-term mission like nine times now, and I have seen people that have next to nothing but have an incredible strength about them because they know they don't have anything in them that can change their situation in life, but they trust that God will continue to strengthen them to do everything that he is calling them to do, and it works. Now, God's power is not something that can be rallied up through our own willpower or resolve. So you might be thinking, yeah, I would like to have this power. But the big question is, well, well, how do we get it? How do we get this power that God is offering? How are we strengthened by God? Well, I have three things that I think could really help us to figure this out. And the first one is this. You have to know the strengthener. You have to know him. Now, the big question is not, do you believe in God in your mind? Because you can know something intellectually. Like, you could have an understanding about a clinical set of facts about God, about Jesus, that, yes, there was this man named Jesus, and he lived, and he even did miracles. You maybe even believe that he died and he came back to life, and it may not change your life in any way whatsoever. I mean, I believe in George Washington, but I don't wake up in the morning and be like, I'm living this day for George. You can believe something in your mind. You can believe it intellectually, and it doesn't grip your heart. You can have a mental grasp of the doctrine of God's grace and salvation, but you haven't understood how it works out in your daily life. So I want to ask you this. Is there a gap between what you believe about God in your head and the motives of your heart, your words, and your behavior and attitude? Would you tell people that you believe in Jesus and you are a follower of him, but the actions of your life say something else differently? If there's a gap there, my challenge to you is to turn to God through prayer and to cry out for forgiveness and heart change, whether today is the first time you've ever done that or today's the thousandth time you've done that. And then understand that God stands there, not with his arms crossed, shaking his head, but with open arms like the father in the story of the prodigal son. And then with that, do whatever he tells you. Take God and his word seriously. And when you do that, his strength will show up in your life. The second one is this, to live outside of your strength. Again, read the Bible and do what it says. And when you can't, Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Like I said, when it comes to forgiving somebody who may have hurt you, when it comes to loving your enemy, when it comes to being generous, when it comes to being content and you feel like there is nothing I can do to fix these situations, you're right. But God's strength won't show up where it's not needed. You know you aren't trusting in God's strength if you never take a risk and do something bold in obedience to him. If you never step out in faith, you'll never experience God's strength in your life. I mean, if you had told me 15 years ago when I started coming to this church that I was gonna be a pastor, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. I mean, I'd been a bartender for eight years before I went into ministry, you know, as you do. There was nothing in me that could have got me here. It was all God's strength, but I had to be willing to follow him And do what he said to do. And it was terrifying at times. But I'm here to tell you that the thing that you may be most afraid of may be the very thing that God is calling you to do. And the third is to let go and wait. Verse 31 in our passage says But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint. Now I don't know about you, but waiting has never been one of my strong points, right? If you're like me, you order something on Amazon, and like two hours later, you're checking the tracking, right? I want to know when it leaves the warehouse. I want to know when it's on the truck. I want to know when it gets to the post office. Can I go pick it up there? Are they gonna have to wait till they deliver? Like I'm not good at waiting, right? And look, I'm not asking you to speed. Just go with the speed limit, all right? I, got places to do, and it's like, I'm not good at waiting, because if I'm like in line behind a slow person at a buffet, and I'm hangry, you know, hangry, it's just like, I'm not good at waiting, all right, and be careful if you pray for patience, because it's not like God just sprinkles Holy Spirit dust, and you're like, wow, I'm patient, no, God will put you in situations, and you will learn to be patient, all right, so waiting has never been been a strong point, and waiting patiently is even more of a problem, but we have to understand that God does not operate on our timeline. You have to trust God. Trust God that he is working in you in the middle of your waiting, and then to let go, right? To stop trying to control things. Because maybe there's a situation in your life, a relationship, whatever that might be, and you say, all right, God, there is no way I can fix this. I can't change the situation. I can't change this person's heart. There is nothing that I can do, right? And you say, God, I take my hands off. It's in your hands. You take control. And then some time goes by, and God's not as efficient as we would like him to be, right? So I find myself trying to get involved again, trying to manipulate the situation, trying to control it, and I'm just making it more of a bigger and bigger mess, right? You have to learn to let go, to trust that God is going to do what he promises to do. And again, that can be really scary, right? But sometimes the scariest thing you can think of is the very thing that God is calling you to do. So I want to share this quote. It's by the late author and pastor, Tim Keller. He says, It's not our lack of strength that prevents us from enjoying God's blessing or from worshiping God wholeheartedly. It is our lack of faith in his strength. So, even if you feel like life is just crushing you, and like you can't even take one more step, remember that you can always call on God, the everlasting God, and he will renew your strength. This is an absolute ironclad promise from God. After all, our bottom line is to let God's strength soar in you and focus on that word let, Are you letting God's strength soar in you? Are you not being willing to wait? Are you trying to control the situation? And so this morning as we close our service, we're going to do something just a little bit differently. As a way to um, start off this new year, I just want to stand in a minute, and I'm going to pray a blessing over our congregation. And then Donna and Sonia are going to come back. And they're going to sing a few verses from a song that we just want you to listen to and to take these words and settle them into your heart. So would you do me a favor and stand as we pray? Lord, I know that there are many here this morning that are tired, that are weary, and maybe feel bruised and beaten down. But Lord, I know that you understand that type of pain more than anyone. So I ask you to please strengthen us today and help us to soar into this new year with your strength. May we keep our eyes fixed on you at all times, for you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, please forgive us of our sins, cleanse us, make us pure in your sight. For you are such a gracious, loving God who is faithful to all generations. So we come and adore you today and every day for you Christ the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.